Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. There are certain brands that as marketers, as people in general, we're just kind of intrigued by. And one of those for me has always been Box. Today's guest, Chris Kohler, is the CMO of Box. And I've always thought Box is this cool company and how they've grown, how every user can ultimately become an enterprise. And we unpack that today in a couple of cool ways. First of all, Chris's career is really an evolution of moving from a focus on customer success to becoming the CMO. He shares this story chatting with Aaron Levy and how this came to be inside a box. We then transition to talk about that reality of the life cycle of our customers. And one of the buzzwords we all hear these days is product-led growth. But we talk a lot about what we have to do to actually support those users and those buying groups as they evolve with your product to become something from, say, an SMB user all the way up to that enterprise user. It's a really fascinating episode when you think about scaling your revenue and scaling that relationship we have with our customers. Tune in for my chat now with Chris. Chris, thank you so much for finding time to chat today about your journey being the CMO at Box. And I, I think of Box myself as a CMO, as a marketer, as a business guy, it's just this amazing brand. So how excited are you to be the CMO of this brand? It must be a, a dream come true. Yeah, Randy, thanks for having me. It, I am very fortunate, very lucky. It's a, it's a fun company. It's a great founding story, a great CEO, great leadership team, uh, and a great product. So it is, uh, yeah, sometimes I have to pinch myself to say, how the heck did I get here? And, and you know, stars align for some reason. So. so let's hit on that. Let's hit on how you got there, uh, you know, without giving people the entire story of your life and, and where you started. You've, you've been with some amazing companies, E-Trade, 10 years at Adobe. I'm sure that helped get you to the level of pedigree that someone like Aaron at Box is going to lean in. But, but how did you get the job of CMO? Because you didn't come in that way. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's a, I, I had an incredible run through the Adobe transformation. You know, I got acquired as they wanted to get into the digital marketing space through the acquisition of Omniture. And I had a lot of different roles there. I ran customer success. I ran the technical sales teams. I had account management. And my last role was running the go-to-market and product marketing for the Creative Cloud Enterprise business. So simple products you might know, like Photoshop or InDesign, sort of ubiquitous in, in content creation. And I had been there 10 years and I said, okay, I can stay here for the next 10 or 15 years. Adobe, fantastic company. I've had a great run. Or I can sort of challenge myself and go try to take what I've learned over the last 10 years and go apply it to a smaller company that wants to scale and grow at the same rate. And I got introduced to Aaron Levy, our, our CEO, and Steph Carrillo and John Hurstein, our COO, COO. You know, I, they they said, "Hey, come in and help me transform, help us transform customer success." And I was like, "I don't know, like, I, you know, I'm not sure that that's a an interesting enough role." But they said, "No, like, come in and we'll figure out long term, like, what the role for you here at, at Box was." Before you keep going, Chris, like that element of of customer success, like you as you hit on, you did a little bit of that 
at Adobe, but was that something that you were envisioning as your career path or did you think you were on a marketing path? You know, I, I, I sort of had like two different paths, right? Because I, I, at Adobe, I spent a lot of time working with marketers, my degrees in marketing, like I had been marketer in the past, but I did a lot of best practices and engagement with CMOs and all that. So I kind of liked both. But what became clear is I'm more of a marketer and a GM than I was a pure customer success person. But I came into Box, you know, did the role for just over a year or so. And at that time, we were looking for a new CMO. And so we were interviewing and I was part of that discussion. And finally, I just said, hey, Aaron, Steph, like, maybe I should be CMO. And let me tell you why. And they were like, oh, my gosh, like, yes, let's figure it out. And, and, and that was two and a half years ago. Uh, where, you know, sometimes you just have to raise your hand and say, I can do this, you know, give me the opportunity. Luckily, they, they agreed and gave me the, you know, the, the option to do it and, you know, haven't looked back since. So it's a, it's a wild opportunity that gets presented by, as, as you said, putting your hand up. But I'm, I'm curious in that situation, as you look back on that first year that you were with Box, do you think you got that op opportunity because you were already doing elements of marketing or because you were rocking the role that you were in at the time? I, I think, you know, you, it's a little bit of both, right? Because I, I became, what, what became clear to me while I was sitting and dealing with customers and everything else, there was this big opportunity where our customers just didn't understand. They didn't fully understand our value proposition. They didn't understand the product roadmap. We had adoption problems. And so I was very vocal around, hey, we've got to, you know, from a CS perspective, I'll start to drive that. But performance, I mean, you have to, you have to actually go execute in your current role if you're ever going to be given more responsibility or something else. So it's probably a combination of the two. And what became clear is as the marketing organization needed to, to basically transition and think about that entire customer journey, where can we play? And my background sort of lended nicely to that. And so that was part of the, you know, the decision criteria from, you know, Steph and Aaron saying, hey, we need someone who can think, how do we basically facilitate that whole customer journey? And I was like, hey, I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm ready to jump in. So, so I, I'm going to tease where we're going to get to later in this conversation, which is we're going to talk a little bit about the realities of Box being, you know, a company where you can come in as a freemium customer and eventually grow to be this amazing enterprise customer of yours. But I can see with that the value that someone with a CS mindset can bring to the CMO org. What element do you think really allows you to be the CMO today and still think about, you know, this buzzword we all hear about, which is CX? Yeah, I mean, I think you you have to be sort of maniacally focused on customer outcomes. I've got this this mindset of, you know, having spent so much time with customers, you know, I understood the buyer, I understood their their challenges. I understood when when they were not happy with us, right? And you know, so you get that into that mindset where you really understand the customer. Um, and, uh, and I knew where we were falling across from an experience perspective. And so as a CMO, it's like, wait, I have all the tools. I have the team that understands how to drive engagement and create experiences and everything else. Why can't I apply that to across the entire customer journey? And so we do that a lot is like from top of funnel all the way through from onboarding and adoption and renewals, like marketing has a huge role to play in helping facilitate that. And so that's, you know, something unique. I think I could, I could bring at the time we needed uh, to the CMO role that a lot of CMOs just didn't have that experience because it's not where they, they never played in that space. 
So I'm, I'm curious, I mean, you know, to give people perspective to the size of Box, I mean, you guys are pretty much closing on in on a billion in revenue, let alone, you know, the multiples on value these days. And the, the marketing team itself is around 100 people. I'm curious, yeah. as you transitioned from this CS org, did you keep that under the marketing org in any ways? Or how do you interact between the organization, the marketing team, and the function of you know, customer marketing to, to CS? Yeah, so we have we have a couple of different sort of intersection points. One, um, I actually started to build out a more robust customer marketing team within the marketing organization that thought about onboarding adoption and then eventually sort of cross-sell and upsell, but like let's get them successful first. And so we built out some of those capabilities. You know, I, I champion a, a sort of cross-functional digital strategy team that we talk about that is a combination of sales, CS, product, and marketing. And we talk a lot about what is that holistic experience from how do they get to the website, when they land on the website, when they get in product, how do we think through that, the community experience. And so there's a lot of like touch points with the organization where we get aligned and it's all surfacing at the, at the customer experience. And so I lead that, um, that effort, but I've got our chief product officer, our chief customer officer, our chief revenue officer are all aligned that we need to create that great experience because it helps all of us, you know, be successful. Interesting. So I, I want to go a little deeper for the next minute or so before we take a break for everyone. And you talked about building out the customer marketing team. And I think chatting with a lot of marketing leaders, I'm going to say in the last year and a half since the pandemic started, some companies just couldn't grow and they had to look at their install base for various yes. reasons, either for growth or just to keep the lights on. In ways that we always should have, but what have you done specifically different, you know, coming in just before the pandemic versus once the pandemic started? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, companies that had a large base of customers, I mean, we have over 100,000 to basically cultivate and cross on upsell them over the last 18 months have had a huge advantage. Um, it has really been hard to build new relationships in this digital only world with net new customers. So a lot of our focus has been how do we go and make existing customers successful and, you know, hopefully grow those those accounts. So some of the things that we've done over the last 18 months is we reevaluated what does the onboarding experience look like? It doesn't matter if you're a freemium customer or a large enterprise customer. You, as a user, get an account. What do you do? What are those actions? And we, we did a lot of analysis around this that said, how do we get active use on a, on a weekly, monthly basis? And there's a couple key actions that the data basically told us. And we said, great, we're going to gamify that. We're going to basically incent, incent our end users to start using the product in different ways. For us, it's like, hey, did they upload a file? Did they create a folder? Did they share with their colleagues? Did they add comments to documents? Like all of those things where collaboration was, was critically important. And so we've spent a lot of time working through from an in-product experience with our product you know, peers. How do you gamify that and look at that data and make sure that works? But if they're not in the product, what, how do you get them there, right? So that's where marketing can play a big role around driving engagement you know, through email, through you know, outreach and other things to get them back into the product. So that was a key, a key piece of sort of the onboarding experience. And then we looked at a lot of the data and we partnered with our customer success team around account health and where adoption was low around certain capabilities or features or products. 
And so we spent a bunch of time figuring out, okay, how do we get them to engage with these, you know, either key features or products that they've purchased that they haven't necessarily gotten the most value out of? You know, the thing that I've been rallying my team and where marketing can play is the phrase that hurts me the most when I talk to customers is, I didn't know that you could do that. And we're driving and it's so every, every software, you know, company on the planet has had anyone that's talked to a customer is like, oh, I didn't know you guys did that. And it's like, oh my gosh, we, you know, we built this great product. We did a launch. We thought everyone knew about the capabilities and the reality is it's so hard for our customers to absorb the innovation that we bring to them. And so that's one of the things that's sort of a mantra with the marketing team is like, could we eliminate that phrase? you know, from our existing customers that they actually know what capabilities they have at their fingertips. Really interesting. You know, we're already cheating into the next part of our conversation here naturally just by the the structure of your role, your history already with Box, which is really fascinating. We're going to go deeper into this after a quick break here on The Marketer's Journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. Just reflecting on some of the stories that Chris just told there, one of the things that I remember myself is meeting with a potential customer at some point who checked with their team and their team had a very different perspective of what my company Uberflip did versus what we do today. And it was this realization that as time evolves, our solution evolves. And what we need to do a better job of is making sure that our customers understand the latest and greatest ways to use our technology either because the features have changed or perhaps just the market and use cases have changed that are out there. And I think everything that Chris is talking about of really making sure that we partner with our customers and support them to find that latest way to use our technology, could be a product, could be a service, is so important to true scale. Chris, one of the things I find fascinating about Box is that, you know, I could come in as a small company and if my company grows like Boxes has, I can end up being one of your biggest customers and you can scale to every level of that. I'm curious how you forget about the infrastructure side of it, but from a marketing perspective, how do you scale to support all those different stages? Yeah, it, it, it is a, it's a challenge, right? It, where we have a beat at almost a B2C offering and a B2B offering. And, and it, like one of the biggest challenges we have on our website is who are we serving? What that customer or prospect that comes to the site, like what are they there to do? And because we, we're lucky enough to serve the three-person architecture firm, the individual that is a, a contractor that does freelance work, 
up into the largest enterprises. And so we, we have to think about it in two different ways. One, I'm trying to grow the freemium population as much as possible because the idea is that sort of network flywheel effect where the more people use it, then they work with their colleagues, they collaborate, and then you know ultimately we hope they turn into paid accounts. Um, but then we have a really, really healthy sort of small business motion as well, where a lot of our small business customers start on in, in a e, like a self-service e-commerce um, experience where they say, hey, I want to try Box. I've got three or four colleagues. We're going to start sharing and collaborating and working with our clients. And as they grow over time, then we treat them, you know, they'll move into our SMB segment and then hopefully up into the enterprise um, over time, which is really, really fun. But it's really hard as a marketer because I've got limited budget. And I've got teams focused on these different personas. And so we're always trying to balance, you know, where do we put our money? Where do we put our effort? How do we drive that experience? But a huge portion of our enterprise customers started out, you know, maybe maybe buying three seats a box um, for a department. And over time, they grew. And one of the fun things is we get to see a lot of startups as well, where it's like, hey, they started four years ago with Box and now they're, you know, a thousand employees and we all them home. Yeah, which is really fun to see them, you know, grow up. And we we do a fun thing where we we call it the deal of the week. Um, so we meet as a leadership team and we look at these brands that purchased online. And there's some, you know, some pretty cool brands that are in there that you're like, oh wow, they just got another $300 million of funding. We should make sure they're successful because they're going to grow with us. And so we, we think a lot about that that whole sort of company life cycle and journey as well. So it's interesting. I, I've had a number of other CMOs on and, and even in recent months, and one of the, the buzzwordy trend terms that people keep throwing at is this idea of product-like growth, which no question, I mean, I, I would think Box is an early innovator of that concept before it had the buzzword. But I feel like what you're describing is not just the importance of the product-led growth, but the user-led growth. You know, letting, yes. you know, having a plan for that user where marketing still needs to support the evolution of that. Otherwise, the customer might just you know continue in that one instance that they have. How do, you, yeah, totally. how do you marry that user mindset to the product mindset? Yeah, because I, I mean, I, in, in, it is the, the buzz, buzzword of the day. And we've been, obviously, we've had a freemium offer for many, many, many years. And so we thought about this sort of network effect and, and sort of the hypothesis and thesis is we get people hands-on with the product. It's a product that is most successful when you're collaborating and working with other people and sharing content and all of your work uh, with your your peers, colleagues, and, and that. So we do. It's a combination of both, right? Where product-led growth. How do we make it as we focus a lot about around the end user experience? How do we make it as self-service as possible, as easy as possible? You know that people want to use the product. But I need to be thinking about how do we get them successful and then grow with us, right? So we work a lot, you know, with our sales organizations to say, hey. You know, there's five different departments that all have separate accounts here. You know, maybe you need to go talk to, you know, the, the head of IT in this exa example and figure out if you can think about doing a, a larger deal that they might actually get better pricing if we consolidate a lot of this. So it's a it's a go to market motion tied with a in product experience motion that is working really, really well with us and helping us fuel growth for sure. It's really interesting. I'm, I'm curious in that scenario, very specific to Box, but people can think about their, their own organizations. You may have your users 
not even being the person you have to sell into at this next stage. So I'm curious in that situation, are you marketing to that IT manager exclusively at that stage? Or are you kind of taking it from two angles where you, you get the user with some sort of enticement to bring it to the IT manager and go to the IT manager? Yeah, it's a, it's a mixture of both, right? That, that we are a very horizontal solution. So we talk about use cases. And when we can find really high value use cases like marketing, collaboration with agencies and partners and everything else, that, that is a super high value use case because it helps drive you know, the, the success of a marketing organization. So we want to have our, our we often call them lines of business or you know, high value use case, push the IT organization to say, hey, we need Box because we're doing X, Y, and Z. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we're engaging with that IT leader. They understand our value proposition. We, we focus a lot around content security and collaboration and integration, being a net neutral platform that works with all of the apps. And so we, we have a combination. A lot of it marketing efforts around IT persona, but it helps when we have the business on our side and basically saying, hey, I need Box to go do my job please let's think about a broader, a broader relationship with them. It's interesting. I, I'm curious, you know, at the scale that Box is at today, you know, as we said, you know, closing in on, on a billion in revenue, which is super exciting. And I think you, you hit on the fact over 100,000 customers. Do you think about pure account-based marketing mindset? How do I go and sell to these 100,000 users? Or is there also an element of I'm picking accounts that aren't using us today, maybe using a competitor, may not be using anything whatsoever? Where's the focus of your team in terms of balancing that equation? Yeah, it, it, and I mentioned it before, it shifted a little bit where a lot of our focus was on existing customers over the last 18 months. I would say at the enterprise side, our CRI, CRO and I um, talk a lot around focused accounts. Right. And focused accounts might be we, we have specific accounts where we've landed a small sort of instance of, you know, a box that we want to go cultivate and figure out how we can go, you know, broader with them. We still have Fortune 500 companies that, you know, we'd like to bring into the fold and, and be part of um, the, the box family. Uh, so we, we do have very specific, you know, plays to go at those non customers. Um, so at the enterprise side, it's a little bit of both. With our SMB business, which is quite healthy as well, we are a bit more opportunistic, you know, where we think that uh, every small business on the planet could use Box. So a lot of that, you know, my team's focused on driving net new, you know, cross-selling to some degree, but there's a lot of net new um, logos that 100,000, there's millions of small businesses around the globe that, you know, we think we can still target. And as you describe those different segments and different opportunities, uh, you know, 100 marketers is... is Many people are probably jealous just hearing that you have that many people, but that's a lot of different business lines to essentially, you know, approach. Yeah. Are you segmenting your marketing team by those different segments and crossing over as a handoff, or is it one group thinking about that entire life cycle? It, a little bit depends on on what sort of function within marketing, um, you know, and a, and a lot of what we call our regional marketing. They're sort of pod and segment based, uh, where they're going after partnering with the sales leader. Um, to go build the business there. And then we have, you know, those that are more central, more centralized that think about cross uh, enterprise to SMB to freemium, uh, more on the campaign side and, and that. Um, we're also pushing more and more around verticalization 
of marketing as we're finding and we're growing, you know, we have to be much more specific in our outreach and our engagement uh, across our key verticals as well. So we've played around with that over the last 12 plus months. We want to continue to invest because we've seen a lot of, a lot of uh, great results um, when we spend time talking about the high value use cases for the specific verticals for sure. So, but, you know, it, it feels like, you know, a hundred is a lot, but, you know, my team would argue and I probably argue I could double it and still, you know, still have too much work to do. You know, I don't think any marketer on the planet thinks they have too many uh, resources to go execute on everything they want to get done. That's too true. Too true. I, I, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. It's more about saying those priorities than, uh, Know, determining who else you could add and what else you could do, uh, Chris. I, you know, I, I this conversation is really interesting, and it's it's wild to see how your path from CS in New York weaves so well into understanding the buyer and the different stages. We're going to keep you around for one more quick segment. Some fast questions thrown at you right after another break here on the Marketer's Journey. For a long time as marketers, we've always been focused on generating pipeline, bringing people to the table for salespeople to close. But this conversation with Chris is really highlighting the importance of that relationship we have once we have that person as a customer. Think about all the different things that you spend money on, where it all started with one spend, but ultimately the experience that followed after. It could be that restaurant you go to. For me, I just bought my second Peloton product because of the experience I had with my first and the suggestion of what may come after that. This mindset of how we support a customer as we bring more to the market or they can grow with us is so important. And I think we're gonna to continue to see more investment in customer marketing and more convergence of the CMO and the CX owner inside of your organization. All right, Chris, we have unpacked your career journey, how you landed at Box, how it's evolved. Now let's jump into the extension, if you will, of the buyer journey with some questions about how these two come together. My first rapid fire question for you comes down to this mindset of what is the best path to a CMO? Is it going through being a very generalist marketer, like you said yourself, or would you encourage someone these days to really go deep on a certain area of marketing? It can be either. Uh, I'm a believer in generalist just because I think having a GM mindset in the new world of marketing is is like really, really important. So I'm going to argue, be a bit of a generalist, try some other things and learn other. Uh, it gives you empathy for the other groups and just makes you a little bit more successful, I think. Absolutely. I love that word empathy within there. It's it's the right right mesh of understanding your team and, and the struggles and opportunities they've got. Uh, my next question for you comes down to, you know, when you coach people on your team, what's that one thing that you wish they would do more of across the board? You know, what's one thing you rally people around? Uh, asking for help. Because it's the one thing that I can actually provide. And, and one of the things I tell them a lot is, Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength that you are vulnerable enough to, to admit that you don't know what you don't know. And it makes me feel good when I can actually help my team uh, with something. Box and Uberflip are both content companies in one way or another, but thinking more about content marketing that's helping win over in campaigns these days, what do you think the key is there? I think it is uh, understanding 
what your like your audience of does the content relevant we create tons of stuff that just doesn't resonate with the buyers and then we don't know how to we basically throw it out to the world and hope that they find it right so i think the having that relative content that is right place right buyer right time is an art that i think sometimes we i don't know we just spray and pray in some of these examples and it's not great yeah i couldn't agree more i mean that that's where the that experience really matters a couple more for you here. This one really contextual to your journey. You know, I, I think a lot of marketers are in a big organization and want to make a jump to a startup. Now, it was interesting when you described leaving a large company for a startup it being Box, which I associate being this massive organization. But relative to Adobe, I, I understand the, the jump. Yeah. Regardless, how, what is advice you have for people when they jump from a larger organization to a smaller organization? Uh, get used to getting your hands dirty because uh, they're not going to have the processes, the resources, and it's different pros and cons. The good thing is you get to craft a lot of the things that you build, but in reality, it's a pretty big jump where you're like, oh man, I don't have this team. I don't have this team. I got to go do this myself. Um, so just get prepared to be much more hands-on than I think you, you even expected uh, when you jump to a smaller company. Yeah, that's great advice. One last one here for you. Uh, and this ties together our theme of a journey as always. Uh, you know, as a busy CMO, no question with 100 people, you know, vying for your attention every day on your team alone. How do you take time for breaks? And where's that next personal vacation going to be? Yeah, I, I harp on this because I think one of the big things is just mental health, especially after the last 18 months or so. And so I have to model it myself. I do take time off. And what I tell the team is I said, when I'm out, I'm out. I'm not responding. Unless there's emergency that something is on fire, you call me. Otherwise, I'm not responding to you. And you have to set the tone and, and push the teams to go do that. So for me, the next uh, fun is uh, I'm going to spend uh, Thanksgiving in Scottsdale, uh, get some warm weather. I actually live in Park City, Utah. So we're already starting to get into winter season here. And uh, I'm going to unplug and enjoy myself. Amazing. Well, listen, you get a balance there of skiing when it's cold and, you know, get off to do some golf of some sort, you know, to, exactly. to keep you calm. And the other time, Chris, a big thank you for joining us. For those just tuning in and hearing Chris's story, uh, we've got a ton of an amazing CMO stories that have been shared. And one day I hope you're on this podcast sharing yours. Everyone's journey is unique. And I hope you're learning from each of these. Tune in, check us out wherever you might be, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, we're everywhere. This is The Marketer's Journey. You've been listening to The Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, at uberflip.com slash podcast, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.